Welcome to the Ross Road Connect podcast. Our podcast aims to connect you to what's going on at Ross Road Community Church, to connect you to the people at Ross Road, and ultimately, to connect you to God himself. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Ross Road Connect podcast. Uh, I am your host, Holly, and I'm here with my co-host, Craig Thiessen. How are you doing, Craig? Greetings, Holly. I'm doing really well. How are you today? really well wow um i i am uh present i am well <laughs> but not really say, well yeah i'm not like really well level but you okay, know out of, out of 10 uh, out of 10 holly mclean is a uh, out of 10 you know and this is like today was actually a pretty decent day i think just in the general like you know the new restrictions and that kind of energy you know april thus far i'm about like a five and a half okay. six maybe all so, right. you know, I'm, I'm present. I'm there. Okay. Yeah. 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 How about, how about Craig? How was, uh, where, where are you on a scale of one to 10? Um, well, uh, well, first of all, episode 34, which you neglected to say. Okay. Well, I was podcast, going to so. get there. <laughs> Eventually I was going to land the plane. <laughs> I was going to forget. So, uh, you know, yeah. So anyways, um, I think today, okay. today I was uh, probably an eight out of 10. I, I had a pretty good day today. Um, it was a good day today. Um, I, so I went today first, first time for me, went to the chiropractor and, um, do you know, like when you're watching a TV show that's kind of violent and like, uh, the, the, someone gets their neck snapped. Like, uh, yeah. Um, so <laughs> The chiropractor today was doing like just an initial assessment, but she was like poking around in my neck and doing what they do. And um, she was like, well, do you mind if I just crack your neck right now? And I was like, sure. And <laughs> Jenny has been to this chiropractor as well. And she dreads the neck crack because it's, yeah. it's, you know, kind of violent. Like it's that kind of twisting, like twist your neck motion. And it's really sudden. Oh and my I God. That sounds really terrifying. That's how, what it was going to happen. But um boy, it feels good. Like some real <laughs> solid cracks. <laughs> That's not where I thought that conversation was going to go, <laughs> but I'm glad it felt good. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it felt like I was, you know, in one of these, you know, violent TV shows, but uh, not as if as you're the victim snapped. Yeah. Okay. But it actually was like, wow, really good. And I, it was really impressive. I, I, I'm, uh, you know, tomorrow I go back and hopefully she'll, mm -hmm. you know, do some more stuff go and kind of loosen up my shoulder and my back. But I yeah. told her, I said, I think my, like when I've been running lately, my right, my right ankle doesn't have the range of motion as my left one. Mm. So she was like poking around in my back and my hip and stuff. And all of a sudden she's like, yo, your right hip is all locked up. And I was like, oh, I had no idea that was the case. <laughs> she was like, that's yeah. probably why your right ankle is feeling that way. And then she went down to my feet and she was like, yeah, you're, your range of motion in your ankle is great. In fact, your right one is even better than your left. It's probably your hip that's causing your ankle to feel this way. I was like, oh my goodness. Like Interesting. Yeah. Wow. So, so, um, so that was kind of cool. That which, which, if you don't mind, Holly, is I'm perfect, really excited to know where this is going to go. A perfect segue <laughs> into our interview today. Wow. Because you don't see it yet. No, I'm not there. <laughs> <laughs> because our guest today will talk about the connection between your mental health oh. and your physical health. And did you know that there are similarities between what happens in your brain and what happens in your intestine? Well, now I know that because of our podcast today, but our <laughs> listeners, maybe they didn't know that. 
<laughs> that was brilliant broadcasting right there. I just like, yeah, that. that honestly, that was, that was a pretty good segue actually. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is good. I honestly, I feel too, like, I mean, I'm, we're just delaying getting into this conversation more now, but I did a lot of research about the brain today too, mm. and just how everything is connected and like learning about like the physical and the signaling. And like, when you put your hand down, like on a hot stove, like what part of your brain, like actually makes you like move it away and those kinds of things. And how, like, if any of those communications in your brain are off, like that can be big contributors to our men, you know, to mental health problems. And I just feel like today, my whole, like this whole day, my mind has just been continuously blown by everything that I'm learning from reading and from our conversation with Karen. So yeah, in completing the segue, um, we had a conversation with Karen uh, this time last year, actually, about mental health. It was right when COVID lockdown first started. And yeah, it it is really funny to listen to us talk about, you know, how it's been so long and it had only been about like a couple of weeks at that point. Um, But yeah, so now we are just um, taking a revisit and we're going to talk again about mental health. It's always something that is good to be talking about and Mm. uh, to be taking care of our mental health. So yeah, we're going to chat with Karen and get some amazing insight from her. Karen, welcome to the Ross Road Connect podcast. It's great to have you here. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah. I think, I think Karen's one of our first repeat guests, actually. I think that, yeah, that's yeah. very true. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Wow. That is a, a high honor. I am. I am honored. <laughs> I feel very honored. Well, we are honored to have you on the podcast again. I, um, yeah, I went back and listened to a little bit of this, the podcast that we did with you last time before. And I was just like, wow, like, what an awesome conversation. Like you just had so many incredible insights to give and I'm really excited for this next conversation. So no pressure, right? That's what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> what you say now will determine whether or not we'll have a third interview a year right. from now. <laughs> yeah. Another year from now. <laughs> but we were also saying before we came on air about how, uh, you know, it was so cute to look back at our naive 2020 selves where we were about three weeks into the pandemic and thought that things would be wrapping up pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you know, here we are. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. The very uh, beginning of the podcast, I think it was like, yeah, you're like, you were saying it was exactly this time last year. And so it it had only been like in lockdown for maybe like two weeks Mm -hmm. and we were already kind of starting to talk about how long it's been and the things we've done to occupy our time. But I just remember how fed up I was with washing my hands. I think that was, I was so tired of it. Hadn't even thought of masks yet at that point. Right. That is so true. Yeah. I remember my hands being so like dry at the beginning, like it just from washing your hands so much. It was so rough. I'm going to be honest. I never did wash my hands enough for my hands to be dry. (laughs) (laughs) I am calling Bonnie Henry right now. (laughs) Get her on this call. (laughs) Better on zoom. Yeah, exactly. Oh man. Anyways. So yeah, last year we had Karen on the podcast to talk about, uh, mental health. So, uh, we talked when it was, like we said, it was just, uh, the beginning of COVID. So I would love to know, um, you know, we'll start this off just by asking, I would love to know Karen, just how the last year has been for you. 
Uh, before we go into anything too crazy, just, you know, how's this last year been? Is there maybe some hobby or activity you've done to kind of occupy your time? What has your COVID experience been? Yeah, so uh, I actually developed a rare white blood cell disease about uh, January 2020. So uh, my hobby has been getting blood work and talking to doctors and obsessively Googling my symptoms. Wow. And that, that was sort of my main uh, thing that that I enjoyed. Um, I'm so doing, yeah, <laughs> it's a good time. I, I recommend everyone try it one time. Right yeah. Now. Um, so yeah, for most of 2020, really just until about February this year, I'm, I most of the time just had enough energy for work and doing basic mm -hmm. chores. Yeah. Um, so I didn't make any sourdough bread. I think I did one puzzle. <laughs> that was it. Um, but I did, I, I did find a couple other, like anything I did pretty much had to be pretty low energy, but I did um, send a bit more cards. I like doing that. So I sent people mail. Um, yeah. And uh, Airbnb actually has this whole set of, um, they're called experiences. They used to be in person. So um when I went to Paris, for example, I did a pastry tour that I booked off there. And when they, uh, when the pandemic happened, they switched to these online experiences. So um, I did like, a, I learned about sharks with my friend's six-year-old daughter. She was up North. I was here. The shark lady was in South Africa. Oh, wow. I did a thing where I learned about Vietnamese coffee from a guy in Vietnam. I did oh. a thing on geisha culture in Japan. So <laughs> it was kind of like traveling but just from my own house. So cool. I kind of, uh, yeah, kept my appetite for, for travel going. Uh, and then I got to work at the provincial election. So if anyone thought I, thought I was cool now, you know, <laughs> yeah. it was awesome. a lot of fun though. Yeah. yeah my um, wife was working with that election too, or was that the federal election? She worked. I can't remember. She's worked in an election in the last few years as well. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Karen, can you remind us all uh, what you do for work? Sure. I am a registered clinical counselor and uh, my specialty for the last uh, almost 15 years has been child and youth mental health, um, which is actually a bit of a misnomer. It should be child, youth and family mental health because a lot of um, mental health involves like the adults that are involved in it as well. But um, yeah, child and youth mental health is what I, I it's my bread and butter. Yeah. Nice. Uh, so remind us again, and we asked you this last year, and I, I remember uh, that your, your answer was, I, I thought, quite accurate. We asked you what mental health was, and you said, usually when we talk about mental health, we're talking about mental unhealth. Yes. Um, so talk a little bit about how we can define uh, that phrase, that idea, mental health, and what does it mean to take care of our own mental health? Sure. Um... So mental health too, it's also a bit of a misnomer in, in that it's not really separate from physical health. Like mm -hmm. I mean, we have, our brains need to put things in categories. And so um, you can tell a difference between say having a broken bone and feeling sad, but um, really they're, they're not actually that much different. So I'm going to just nerd out for a little bit. Yeah. Um, the, the intestines are actually the biggest producer of serotonin in the body. Serotonin mm. is um, I mean, chemicals are very uh, complex, but um, it's kind of like the happiness uh, chemical. So, so much so that they actually call the, the gut the second brain. Um, yeah, it's got the same kind of neurotransmitters as there are in the, in the central nervous system. So 
Um, for example, one thing that happens if people have a brain injury is within um, like six hours, uh, there's they often will see their gut distending, hmm. um, even though the injury has happened to the brain. Wow. Um, yeah. So interesting. Yes. Wow. And different physical things can mimic um, what we think of as mental health conditions. So low blood sugar, for example, feels almost the same as anxiety. Um, if you have like inflammation in the body that um, feels like depression. In fact, there's a whole, um, it's called, they're called sickness behaviors. And it's when, when you have some kind of infection or inflammation, the body's natural urge is to um, like to isolate yourself, to rest, to um, like not engage in activities. And that's, it's really protective, right? Because typically if you have an infection, you need to do those things to get over the infection. Um, but if you've got a lot of inflammation that can um, make what feels like depression. So depression can be like from things happening around or it can be from things happening in the body. So and everyone knows what it's like to try to function on a night of inadequate sleep as well. Mm. Um, so mental health, physical health, um, not that different, but I think um, what I, so I've often, I've thought about this, like what does it really mean to be mentally healthy? Cause it certainly doesn't mean to be happy all the time. Like that's, um, it wouldn't, it wouldn't even be good. Even if you could be in such a position, like, first of all, who wants to hang out with someone who's happy literally all the time, like that would get really old. Um, and also our emotions come up to, to tell us like important information. Right. So, um, I, to me, I think being in a place of mental health means that you're, you're living a life where you're, you're equal to the demands of your life. So you, you mostly feel like you can handle, what's happening and it's not you're not feeling like a slug a slog through every day like it's you can mostly like mostly generally get through your life and feel decent about your life even if in the course of the day you have lots of different kinds of emotions or there's parts of your life that um that don't really work for you um so it's something that everybody does um some people have to do it with a lot more intentionality than other people um just like with physical health some people just rarely think about their physical health at all other people have to do lots of things to keep themselves in a state where they're functioning so if you have like lower back problems for example you might have to be really intentional about doing core strengthening exercises every day or if you have diabetes, you have to be really intentional about eating in a certain way and taking medication in a certain way. So same thing with mental health. Some people have to be really intentional about how they're managing it. Um, and some people never think about it at all because it just sort of manages itself for them. Mm -hmm. Wow. So when you went back to the, the connection between the physical and the, the mental, mm -hmm. when you when someone comes to see you, do you do that kind of diagnostic with them? Like, are you feeling pain or are you feeling, you know, this in your body? And that is as an indication to you as the counselor that there's something going on in the brain. Um, I, I, we, we tend to forget even ourselves because we're focused on the mental health piece. So we tend to think about the mental health piece. Um, so like some of the gut stuff, for example, is, you know, I've just been doing some different like trainings over the last year or whatever and so it's, that's partly why I'm excited too is because some of this is like new to me mm -hmm. um but we do always routinely ask about sleep we always routinely ask about appetite um and we routinely ask about other physical health conditions um 
So I think those are really important. They're, they're important to work on, but they're also important indicators of if other things are going on. Mm. So um, if someone's having a lot of trouble sleeping, that could be the problem that leads to the bad mood or the like depression could be the problem that's leading to the bad sleeping. Right. Um, Mm. So another um, really kind of unexplored and underdeveloped area is the effect of um, brain injuries. Mm. on people and and even in the medical community there's not a lot of um really understanding about the impact of brain injuries and what needs to happen yeah Yeah. when that occurs Mm. Mm. very interesting yeah yeah i feel like i was just reading today about um like brain injuries and how that can impact like your mental health because i'm just learning we're starting a series um on mental health with our youth soon Mm -hmm. And it's just fascinating to read about like, yeah, kind of the different parts of the brain, like the behavioral, the physical, the signaling, all like kind of like those six like functions and reading about how after someone had a brain injury, he came out as like a totally different kind of person, like his cognition and his thoughts, like it was all so different because your brain has just such different, like all these different functions that control like everything differently. And it was so fascinating to me. Um, Super interesting. uh, Totally. I also was really interested by what you just said about how um, our men- like being mentally healthy wouldn't look like being happy all the time. Um, like I feel like like you were saying, like being able to like equate your emotions to what you're experiencing, I think is such a good way to put it. Like if you're if you're going through something traumatic, you I guess shouldn't want to you shouldn't want to feel happy. Like you want to be able to help in like in a healthy way approach that and be able to experience that pain and process it and still come out and be okay at the end of it. I think that's so interesting. Um, So my next question, um, so we've kind of over COVID, we've had like, it seems like we've had different phases throughout this year. Like there was the initial lockdown that everybody kind of was like, making whipped coffee and watching the same TV shows. And, and I didn't make any just... coffee either. I missed out on so many yeah. hobbies. <laughs> I also did not do it, but I saw a lot of other people doing it. But, you know, that was kind of the first lockdown. And then we had the summer where we were allowed to see like our social bubble. And then it's kind of, you know, we're back in lockdown again. So I'd be curious to know from your perspective, like what of those different kind of sections that we've gone through in COVID, which one do you think has been the hardest on people's mental health and why? Yeah. So I think that's a, um, it's going to be a, a hard one to answer because um, I like the saying we're all in the same storm, but we're not all in the same boat. Um, so I think different parts have been hard for different people. Um, like the, the, the March shutdown, I think, was hard because it was so new. There was no clear information about um, how everything was spreading. Um, we'd never had a shutdown like that before. And and the rules kept changing. Like, I, I remember, like, going to the grocery store to get stuff. And it would be, like, you know, I'd come and then we weren't allowed to use the baskets. And then we had to, like, you know, only go up and down in certain ways. And then the next week, like, things were changing every week. And it was mm-hmm. hard to, like, keep up. Um, so I think that was hard. It was for some people though, like it was like, you know, the world became a lot calmer. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were some people for whom that was actually like a good time, right? Reduced, um, responsibilities. Um, yeah, the, the, just kind of the general busyness of the world was, um, was a lot reduced. Um, summer I think was good, but it, 
also if there have been things that you were really looking forward to um i know it was hard for a lot of kids not to have the the grad experience that mm. they had always imagined having um you know summer meant missing out on a lot of things like camps and and other like kind of you know treasured experiences um i think winter was hard because we went back into a lockdown again i think a lot of people thought after the the first one like we were just going to be on an incline. Um, we lost a lot of like traditions around Christmas as well. Mm. Um, and then of course, January was just like kind of gross and gray. I know that I think that was probably the hardest one for me because mm. um, yeah. it was Christmas was done. And then there was like nothing to look mm. forward to and it was dark and it was gross. Um, I think with summer and with the Christmas one, what was protective and, and the last March one is that we were, kind of all in it together as a culture, like everybody was missing their summer camps. Everybody was missing, um, you know, the peony, if that was part of your thing, Christmas, even though, um, you know, it's a, a Christian holiday, it's also like a much broader, um, like cultural holiday. Right. And so even people who are, don't come from any kind of faith tradition would have missed the certain kinds of songs and activities. Like, um, so we were all really kind of missing the same things at the same time, which helps a lot with mental health. Um, I think this one, this one's hard because first of all, I think it was like very unexpected because it was, had been like, Oh, we're going to open up. We're going to open up a little bit. Oh, psych <laughs> no we're not I mean I'm being flippant I I, I support um, people's efforts to really do the best they can to um, make plans about this um, the pandemic so this isn't a, a judgment on on what people are are mm -hmm. doing um, but yeah just the fact that it was so unexpected I mean we're so over it I'm I'm so over it already like I'm really done Mm -hmm. um it's the second year in a row like I was like wow it's the second year in a row I've worn pajamas to a good Friday service like <laughs> can I next year <laughs> um yeah and I think a lot of people are tired um especially I think people that have been really doing a lot of the work like medical people or um yeah I, so I think people are really tired right now mm -hmm. um so they've all been hard in their in their own ways and i think it kind of depends on each individual person to like how they've been handling it mm. yeah yeah um i want to ask you about um something i've been thinking about lately and thought you would be the perfect person to ask <laughs> um I, I thought about the dynamic of powerlessness mm. in the last year because and it probably operates on several levels uh, on one level, whenever there's these restrictions that, that are brought in, uh, we're, we're um, you know, powerless to do a lot about them, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, you couldn't use the basket in the grocery store. Well, that's something that's now been imposed on me that I'm powerless to do anything about when I go to the grocery mm -hmm. store or, um, you know, uh, church services, another example, right? We can't attend like we, like we want to. Um, but then, then there's, you know, I think even greater examples where, you know, we've had people who have lost loved ones in the last year who couldn't mm -hmm. go and visit them yeah. and they've been in the hospital or they've been in, in, um, um, care home, care home, 
And there has been some provision for those who are on their very last legs. Like we know this person's dying, come in and see them. But even then it's one person at a time and it's not the kind of family gathering at the bedside kind of thing that you would like. And, and that's really hard. Um, yeah. What, what do, do you think that dynamic has it been at play and, and what effect has, has it had? Do you think? Yeah. I, I mean, definitely like, um, uh, and, and it kind of depends, I think, on how powerless people have felt generally in their lives. I mean, mm. um, it, it's like really from a practical uh, standpoint, we're pretty powerless most of the time. Mm. We just don't realize it mm. um, uh, until it's until we have an experience like this. And then we're like, oh, yeah, there's, you know, lots of things happen that we don't have anything that we can do about. Mm. Um, I think people sort of handle it in two ways and not and and you can go back and forth like even in the same day handling it like that um some people just do what they can then to try to have control um they might like in a in a more adaptive way so might mean things like reorganizing your space i know that mm-hmm. uh, there was a lot of of that a lot of like home renovation and you know doing what we can that way um doing sort of like whatever you're allowed. I know that when the restrictions came in, in November, I was celebrating my birthday with some friends. We were going out for supper and the restrictions were till like 10 or something. So Mm. we're like, well, we can be out till 10. Like (laughs) this is the real, I'm going to go right to the the limit of what I can do. Um, And I think people also sort of reinterpret or reframe their, um, what's occurring. Like, you know, you might, you might really focus on the things that you're happy that you got to experience um, with your loved one. You might, you know, if you're, say you had to be in quarantine for two weeks, you might really focus on like the opportunity it gives you to do some projects or to relax or, um, you know, so for me, I, I often focused on like, because I was sick anyway, it was actually like, helps me not have so much FOMO, right? Like I'm, I have to, like no one else is doing anything fun anyway. I may as well stay here and like relax and recover. Um, And then you also can just get to such a point of like, like you you just really develop a lot of anger. Um, So people, you know, we, I mean, we see people having these sort of I guess they look like temper tantrums, right? From being like, you know, have to put a mask on when you go into a store or that kind of thing. And um, in ways that if they were calm, they would probably like feel quite embarrassed or would have never predicted themselves to have maybe acted in that way. Um, yeah, because you just get to sort of a place of like, I've had enough, like I can't take this anymore. Um, I'm not really a person to have like, big demonstrative tantrums if I'm like really ticked usually I'll just go somewhere quiet and kind of um, do my thing but um, in March and April last year we I would we would come into the office regularly and there would be some new kind of restriction or some new like signage or something like that and and so my boss's boss like I understand was under you know quite a lot of pressure and was you know trying to just really get things done but doing it in ways that um like without talking to the people that it affected and we could have we could have thought of something that made it work for everybody right so we'd come in and there'd be like 
felt like 20 signs saying like, don't stand here, don't talk here. Mm -hmm. Like don't first person in the hallway is the right of way, <laughs> you know? And I came into work one day and I, so in my office, I have a couch and a chair and the offices are, they don't allow for two meters distance. So it's really can just be me in the office, um, which I, we understand the rules. See, I'm, I'm still defensive about this. Um, and <laughs> like a professional, I understand nobody's allowed to come in. Yeah. Um, so I came in and there were X's on like each of the seats of my couch, like made with tape and an X on my chair, like to indicate don't sit here. Mm -hmm. And I was so like mad like because the person like we know I you don't have to put an x on my couch this looks so ugly and I I was I made sure first that I was by myself so it wasn't a complete temper tantrum but I, I picked up a binder and I like hit my couch like mm. five times I think and and did like a ah like a, a loud one um because it was I just had enough right like yeah. I just I yeah I um didn't take it anymore. So yeah. I think that's a thing that, that people often do when they feel powerless. Um, the other interesting thing that we know when people are feeling like powerless or, or disillusioned um, is that they will often um, become interested in what, I guess what we'd consider conspiracy theories. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, of all kinds. Um, and um yeah, it's, it's often like during times of crisis and social upheaval, and this has actually been documented like all the way back into Roman times. So this is a common human uh, kind of tradition because we, our brains want to make sense of things that are happening. Um, and reality is often like just has too many like moving pieces, right? It's really mm -hmm. difficult to make sense of. Um, so we do see, yeah, that the more that people feel powerless, the more they kind of gravitate to some of these um, theories that they they might not gravitate to if they were if things were more calm or if they mm -hmm. felt more safe. Mm -hmm. oh, Inter interesting, yeah, yeah. Interesting how you talk about how a person's past actually will influence the powerlessness that they feel here. Like, I guess if you grew up as a victim and felt powerless in your home, for instance, or, you know, whatever kind of scenario, uh, that, that feeling creeps in pretty fast in any kind of experience you have where you might feel that, that same thing again. Yeah, it, it could, um, it could, this could remind you of things. It could, um, you might've just had like kind of a bunch of losses or, or maybe just one really important loss. Like there might mm. be lots of things that, that you can weather and then there's one thing that's just too disappointing like mm. um yeah lots of reasons mm. yeah mm. <laughs> yeah sometimes <laughs> that's interesting sometimes it's you you feel like I've, i know i've had this experience myself in small ways over the last year where it's like yep i can handle that i can handle that i can handle that and then it's just like one small thing i'm like nope yeah. i can't handle that <laughs> that's too much <laughs> <laughs> and absolutely then yeah. there's a day or two where i'm like just frustrated and down and you know done with all of this and then i slowly put it back together and kind of carry on but it's interesting how that happens where it's just a little trigger and says nope now i'm done that's right i give up yeah. <laughs> not doing this anymore that is so true i feel like i had that a couple times this year where i just felt like i was at a 
breaking point and I just couldn't like I was trying to work you know with technology and like just trying to put out like video content for my students and just one day I think I just like out loud was like weeping I'm like yeah. I can't like I'm so frustrated yeah yeah, yeah it just, uh, takes that one little thing yeah which by the way if anyone is is um listening and has had those episodes and felt like there was something wrong with you absolutely normal yeah absolutely normal and the, the key piece is um, if you took the time to like experience it and then were able to put yourself back together and keep doing mm-hmm. the thing that you needed to do. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, if you get stuck in the, I can't do this anymore. Um, that's the time when you might need to, um, see if there's some help available for you mm-hmm. to have, mm-hmm. be helped to put it back together. Yeah. 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 That's really good. Um, so you kind of started to answer this question a little bit already and seeing kind of even people doing like what they can do, you know, going out right up until 10 PM. Um, but how have you seen people practicing resilience or even thriving in the midst of this challenging year? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, most of my day is, is spent with people who are, whose challenges are greater than their resilience at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I, I remember being very impressed at the beginning of the pandemic with how, how quickly people like adapted and found new ways to get their jobs done. Like, um, I know particularly in therapy, like people had come up with so many great resources, like just within a couple of weeks, like, um, different like stories for kids or a, like a memory book, people figuring out ways to, um, end up doing um, therapy over zoom for example including some therapies that i'd always like imagined would have to be in person um and so not only are they did they kind of like fill the gap but actually there's um, some things that have been better that um i really hope we keep after the pandemic Mm. is over um and i saw that so i i noticed it most specifically with my therapist but i noticed like um at church like i i don't even remember if that we missed a sunday like i think one sunday it was in person mm-hmm. and the next sunday there was some kind of yeah. video technology right so mm-hmm. people were working hard and and really thinking fast um the airbnb thing that i mentioned earlier mm-hmm. um people figuring out ways to do like um, different exercise programs over zoom schools, figuring out how to make a program like, um, and then now how to make a hybrid program. So I think, um, yeah, that's, what's really most impressed me is, Mm. is how people have sort of tried to figure out new ways to do old things. And some of which I like some, some I'm like also done with (laughs) and I'm ready to get back to the regular way, but, um, yeah, I think that's the, that's the what I what's really impressed me in the pandemic. Do Do you think what's the youngest um, uh, person that you would work with in in your work? Um, zero. But okay. We don't get very many zero year olds. Um, yeah. So practically, probably three. Okay. Do you Do you think? And I don't know if there's a scientific answer to this, or if it's just anecdotal to your experience, but. Do you think that kids and even teenagers have um, just in general a, a greater resilience to this kind of a thing than adults would, or do they just handle it? Like, I guess I'm, I'm asking from my own experience with my own kids. I've been impressed a lot of times with how they're resilient and they roll with things really well. 
then there are other times I wonder if they're struggling with things, but they don't really know how to communicate it yet, about it yet. Um, so I'm just wondering, is there a difference in how you've seen kids kind of be resilient around the last year? I think um, a lot of kids are more adaptable. Um, I don't want to say every kid. I mean, pretty much every question you're going to ask me, I'm going to be like, well, some things are like this and yeah. some things are like that because um, that's just life. But yeah. um, some kids have a particularly hard time adapting and adjusting. Um, but the majority of kids, I would say, because um, they don't know any different, right? Like as, mm-hmm. as far as your kids know, every 10 years we do this, right? Like, right. no, you know, they don't know. They're just like, yeah. okay, well, now we do it this way. And then, you know, next year I'm going to go to middle school and then I'm going to like, uh, you know, um, so they don't, they don't have the experience to know that this is weird and mm-hmm. they don't have they don't have the background to, to put as much meaning to it as we do. Like, mm. you know, um, we, we really have a sense of the weight of it and they don't necessarily. Right. Like I, I remember, um, when schools are reopening in September. So I did, I did, um, this anxiety group, I did it on zoom and, um, I did a few rounds starting in March. They were always like, super well attended, like people responded right away. So then we thought, oh, you know what we're really going to need is a back to school one. Tons mm-hmm. of people are going to be anxious about going back to school. Yeah. Um, turns out very few kids were actually anxious about going back to school. Mm-hmm. Many parents were anxious about going back to school. Right. So I think kids' resilience too also has a lot to do with how their parents are handling um, what's happening. And if parents look like, you know, it's okay, we got it covered, then kids are they can roll with the punches a lot of the time. Yeah. Well, and probably we're helped by the fact that uh, this disease doesn't target kids specifically very much. So you you can, I can't imagine what it would be like if things were reversed (laughs) and it was, uh, that would be a nightmare, even bigger nightmare than we've had. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, So what, what is it about isolation that has been so hard for people? Well, um, we're really wired, like we're really created to be social beings. Like, um, we just absolutely are, uh, and different people have, again, different amounts of social needs, but everyone has a need for something. Mm. Um, so we know there's such a thing as skin hunger. I think people are becoming more aware of this idea. I don't know if you've heard of the, that exact term, but, um, basically that we have a need to touch other people. And we know like, um, when babies are born, they put them right away on for skin to skin contact. Mm -hmm. Um, because if, if babies don't get any, they, they don't flourish. In fact, sometimes they, um, pass away even without a, any kind of physical cause. They observed that in the orphanages in Romania in the eighties. Mm. Um, so that that skin hunger um, is such a thing. I remember because w- when we thought you could get it from touching things, which we don't think anymore. But at the beginning, we were like not touching each other. Um, I live on my own, so <clears throat> I really wasn't uh, touching anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so it had probably been about four weeks and then I was helping one of my coworkers with something and I forgot and I patted her on the back and I was like, Ooh, my hand is tingling. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like it was just so like, Oh, yeah. 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 Um, we, we also rely on each other for emotional cues. So 
like emotions are really catching. Um, they're, they're more catching than like germs or viruses. Right. Mm. So, um, when I'm, when I'm giving this uh, demonstration, like when I teach this at work, um, I might, for example, if I'm looking at people, I, I kind of like do this thing. This is audio only, I think. Right. But for, I'm, I'm kind of looking as though something really weird is happening and, and everybody in the group will like turn their heads to look back, <laughs> even though like, why? Right. Like yeah. I, I just made a weird face, but it's, it's super adaptive. If there was something, you know, coming through the window, um, the amount of time it would take for me to say like, Oh, a meteor is coming through our window. Everybody, please. you know, mm. like we'd all be toast. Right. I just have to make one face and everybody like catches the emotion that I'm having. And then, um, they can respond appropriately or even a smile. Like if I smile at you for no reason, like even right now, Craig's trying not to smile, but he is a little <laughs> bit because it's, it's just like a natural thing that happens. So um, when we're on our own, I think we can sort of really get lost in our own heads. And if we start to have a worry, that worry just like, um, like gets bigger and bigger and and you really need to be with another person who says like oh yeah okay I thought that too and then here's why like just that calming um presence helps us feel more connected um so we we really do regulate each other one thing I miss so much is singing together that mm -hmm. one has been like super hard mm -hmm. um and we know that when we sing together um as people our our heart rates start to synthesize or mm. um synchronize um and our brain waves like start to become more synchronous with each other so we, we really are like co-regulating each other that's the word yeah. co-regulate um i think it it too though i think there's a difference between like not being in the physical presence of other people versus feeling cut off from other people. Mm -hmm. So it's one thing to not be in, in a, in location with another person, but I like feel like we're all doing this together. I like, I have interaction. I, um, you know, that, that is a bit easier to bear than feeling like I am having an experience that's different than everyone else's experience and I am like separated from which um for some of my teens like you know some of their friends had parents who weren't enforcing any kind of you know stay at home when we were originally quarantining and so they were looking on social media and like everyone else quote everyone else is going out and doing this and doing that and I'm here by myself and mm -hmm. so that was that was harder than the actual being in the house right like I'm alone mm -hmm. in, in the experience <clears throat> mm. yeah. do, do, do you think or I should say what do you think will be uh some lasting impacts on how we relate with other people like I uh you mentioned the touch thing right like mm -hmm. uh, that's going to feel weird again to shake someone's hand <laughs> or um you know, I I've actually wondered... feel like bad etiquette now. Like when, yeah. when I meet a new yeah. person, I say, yes. like, are you shaking hands or are you like, what are, what are we yeah. doing here? Like, that's right. Yeah. So, so that, yeah, usually you're like, you know, a little wave and stand six feet apart and <laughs> that's the greeting now. But like I was, I was um, seeing online the other day that uh, of course in Texas, everything's open already. So, mm -hmm. you know, you know, uh, so I was seeing that the Texas uh, baseball team had started their baseball season and there's a full, you know, 40, 50,000 people in the stadium. And I'm thinking to myself that when, you know, when I can go to a Canucks game again with 18,000 people, 
I already had in that kind of environment, like a touch of social anxiety in that kind yes. of big crowd. But I'm thinking like when I walk in there now, it's going to be so foreign. Like, am I going to, am I going to be okay in that kind of environment? Or am I going to feel like I need to get out of here? Like this is, so I guess it, what kind of lasting effects do you think this will have when we think about how we relate with other people? Well, I think for a typical healthy adult, so um, one thing we know is that you can create a phobia of anything just by avoiding that thing. So if I said like, interesting, do not touch red cars, don't go near red cars, don't think about red cars. Over time, you develop like a phobia of red cars or, or at least a strong aversion to them and avoidance of them. Um, and then what we know about strong fears or avoidance or phobias is that the treatment for that is exposure. So you gradually then would go out first, you'd look at pictures of red cars on the internet, and then perhaps you would look at a red car from... 20 feet away and then maybe you touch a red car um and for most people that brings like the fear or the phobia back down is mm -hmm. the having the exposure and not having a negative consequence from the exposure so for most people i mean if you right now went to a connects game where no one was wearing masks and it was fully you would you would probably have lots of symptoms mm -hmm. and you probably should because it's right. really catching right now so don't yeah. do that including all the connects i hear yeah. Um, hmm. So, uh, but if over time the restrictions are lifted and then we're allowed to have, you know, church and yeah. you're standing on the stage and there's people around, but it's not so bad. And then maybe you go to the agri fair or something and it's a little busier. And, and then over time, you'll probably get back to your baseline. Yeah. Or you might decide, you know, actually, I, I never liked being in these crowds anyway. And, you know, Maybe you'll spring for box seats, or I don't know how that works. <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> I'll just sit um, with the common people. <laughs> that's right. I mean, I actually, I have to say, I, I do really, I miss the touch, but I do really like the personal space. Like, I would mm. love it if for the rest of our lives, people lined up and with like a three foot circle yeah. around me. <laughs> oh, see, it's so funny because I'm such a concert goer. And I am an avid like mosh pitter. Like I and I go to like metal concerts. So it's like everybody's up and close. And I'm like, it's so unbelievable to ever think about doing that again. But like I need to do that again. Like I I that's the one thing I can't wait to do when this is over. But yeah, just being that close to that many germs, like it's gonna, it's gonna feel extremely unnormal for a long time. Mm -hmm. Remember that the world has been gross and dirty for many, that many years. True. Like yeah. this is one little thing. I mean, they, because of all the restrictions, for example, they haven't even declared a flu season yet. There was right. no flu season. Right. This year. Um, so yeah. when you think about all the other things that we were routinely catching from other people, like, yeah. um, I mean, this one is worse. That's why we're doing it this way, but it was always, we were always full of germs. Um, yeah. And in fact, uh, most of our gut is full of other kinds of like bacteria and germs that are not part of our DNA that are like necessary. You have this whole biome um, where, where we might have more lasting um, impacts and we don't really know is in um, the little people whose like brains are being formed, right? Mm -hmm. So some of the things that people are worrying about are... Um, you know, the little ones who have only been able to see half faces mm. for a long time and um, their ability to read like other people's faces. I don't think it's going to like 
I don't think it's going to be a disaster, but it's definitely a thing to keep in mind. And, and maybe the, if you have little ones at home to keep practicing, like identifying different kinds of faces and, and facial expressions. Um, yeah, I think it's, I think that's, that's more where I would keep an eye on long lasting impacts. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I guess anybody who, um, has had a really life defining experience during this pandemic, you know, for perhaps if you had always been a healthy person and you ended up getting sick and you have some long lasting impacts, um, from that, like, the what do they call it? Long haul COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, you you might have more it will it will probably be more problems for you to uh, reintegrate when things get open but i think for the majority of people i i don't think i don't think that there will be like <clears throat> i think you'll be able to go to a connects game again craig yeah yeah <laughs> looking forward to it yeah. um yeah and i wonder too about um like technology in a lot of ways has been a real blessing. Mm -hmm. uh, part of me wonders if 20 years from now, we'll look back and see the downside of, of un unexpected, uh, unintended consequences negatively. Mm. Uh, like, I mean, blessing in, you know, this meeting's on Zoom. I didn't have to, I put my kids to bed and then came downstairs and jumped on the computer, right? Rather than leaving my wife to put the kids to bed while we all met at the church to record this podcast. Mm. But um I wonder if there'll be uh, any kind of uh, impact to in-person interaction when we're so used to doing it virtually. I don't know. Mm. Well, yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, I think there's always unintended impact um, from everything, right? Um, mm -hmm. Try something new and then we realize in 10 years or 20 years, oh, wait, like, this part was good, but we did not even see like this part coming. Yeah. I think the most important thing, <clears throat> if this is something that's on a person's mind, that's worrying them. I think the most important thing um, to remember that I remind like all the parents of all my clients is we're really just doing the best we can to survive. Mm -hmm. And if it, if it turns out in 20 years that um, a bunch of kids are nearsighted because they were on zoom, like we, we really had, you know, choice in right. some ways and we did the best we could with the knowledge we had at the time so yeah. i think that's the most important thing to keep in mind mm -hmm. yeah wow i'm like there's there's so many like good things to just come out of that i was like one answer to one question <laughs> like that that yeah i feel like my brain was still like fixated on like when you were saying like the impact of uh, when you're feeling anxious and just the presence of another person, like how helpful that mm -hmm. is and why that's so hard in isolation. Like that's something that I relate to on such a deep level as someone who like totally deals with anxiety. Like, cause I, you just get so fixated on like yeah. a hypothetical scenario. And then you're like, this is the only possible outcome. It's <laughs> just like, like something that's like ridiculous, but then it's like, oh no, this is going to happen. And I've convinced myself of that and no one can convince me otherwise. But when you have someone else, they can totally like level you out again, but it's like that's on my right. own. And I'm like, there's no one to talk me out of this. That's right. So, yeah. The, uh, I mean, you know, I can't hear anything. Maybe everyone else in the world is dead and only I am alive. And you know, totally. like anything could be accurate or true. right? Yeah. So um, yeah, having that, having another person to just, um, mm -hmm. you know, and to Bring be able to read life. their face and yeah. Yeah. Really important. So important. 
So I think like this kind of whole conversation we've had too, and even how you're saying, I thought that was really interesting too about the kids with the masks and the face recognition. Um, so we've said kind of how we think it might have impacted specifically kids and older adults, but I would love to know how do you think uh, mental health in teenagers especially has taken a toll in this last year? Yeah. Um, so again, just like with mental physical health, I think we can't, we can't really separate um, teen health from adult mental health in the sense that um, like teens, teens who've been in homes where parents are more stressed or um, where resources are much more limited there, like that is going to be a, they're going to have more mental health themselves. So um, if, if any adults are, are listening to this and you're concerned about your teen's mental health, like I would encourage you also to um, take some time to do some things for yourself as well. And um, just, yeah, make sure that, that your mental health is, is okay as well. Cause that is going to be some of the biggest um, as much as you can, right. People don't always have control over that. That's going to be one of the biggest things that you can do for your teen um <clears throat> excuse me it's kind of that that um that theory of like put your own oxygen mask on first before mm. helping mm. others yeah um and like I said I think it's really different for teens depending on their home environment if they have had financial insecurity during this time um some teens don't have regular access to the internet or um to a computer and so that's been hard for them um we do know a few things though about, um, about kids mental health in BC specifically. So, um, what the, they've been doing like a bit of research, what it's suggesting so far is that kids who previously had mental health problems, the problems are not more severe. Mm -hmm. So, um, the, it's about the same amount of severity before the pandemic as after. Mm. Um, but we are seeing the development of more like mild to moderate anxiety um, in kids. So there's, there's more in that way. And um, I know in terms of our, um, the people seeking service at our clinic, it went way down in like March, April, May, June. Um, and then it started to pick up. And then around January, February, we had a huge influx of people uh, requesting service. So <clears throat> that's not like proof of anything. That's just kind of how it's happened at our clinic. Um, we know that, uh, for a lot of kids, the return to school has been a bit hard, um, because of the, the lack of socialization that they'd had previously. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's the, the skills around like reading cues and maintaining friendships. Um, when you think about it, it's actually like incredibly complex set of skills. Like how do you know if you're talking to someone when they're bored and done talking to you? Um, you know, like you have to kind of be watching, they might like look away, but like also, is there something over? like, it's a, a huge, when you really break it down, it's a huge amount of things you have to be aware of in order to maintain like a good um, relationship with other people. Mm. Kids are, this is hard for kids in that age anyway. It's one of their big developmental tasks. Um, and then with having not had practice for um, quite a while, like that is causing a lot of stress for a lot of kids. Mm. Um, yeah. So we do know that that's a big difficulty. Um, another thing that we know, and this applies to both youth and adults is that there's been a huge increase in eating disorders, mm. um, since the pandemic. Um, and this applies. So we often think of eating disorders as like a, a girl's disease. Um, it's not, it's girls and boys and men and women. 
So more women tend to, but certainly there are quite a number of boys and men um, that struggle with it as well. Um, and actually, when I when I think about it, you can make a note of this, Craig. I, I don't recall that I've ever heard a sermon about um, the value of accepting like all bodies as good mm. bodies, mm-hmm. all sizes of bodies, shapes of bodies, bodies that have illness, bodies that are you know old or injured. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we we miss a huge opportunity to speak truth to culture mm. um, by like by not bringing this up, right? Yeah. That that there isn't just one kind of good body. There's lots of kind of good bodies, all bodies, good and loved by God and showing the image of God. And mm-hmm. um, so if you are, if uh, some things that you can do, like just in general, um, and, and it's good practice for everyone is, is not making comments around people's bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, so they say, if it can't be fixed in two minutes, like keep it to yourself. Right. Mm. Um, so if you want to compliment someone, um, complimenting them on things that are within their control, like an outfit that they've put together a new haircut, um, something like that, <clears throat> compliment other aspects of their being, maybe like an, the effort that they put into a task or something kind that they did for other people. Um, there's been a lot of memes going around on the internet that are, you know, cute and funny, but also like one I saw was like a little Kermit the Frog and and it was regular Kermit the Frog looking out a window and it said March 2020 and then it said March 2021 and it was a really chubby Kermit the Frog. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's cute, but it's also um, for anybody that struggles with that kind of stuff, like that's really difficult. Um, And we know that a natural tendency of bodies under stress is often to gain weight. And it's very adaptive, like, Mm -hmm. because our primary stressor a thousand years ago would be probably not having access to enough food. Right. In times of stress, it totally makes sense that our body wants to store and save. It's a really wonderful feature that we're designed with. Um, So, um, but something that makes it really hard for people um, Mm -hmm. right now. So Mm -hmm. something for people to be aware of. Yeah. Yeah, that's such an important message for teenagers to well everybody to everybody (laughs) everyone, but especially to in like high school. I you can't pay me enough money to go back to high school, but just again (laughs) in a time where you're like still discovering yourself and you don't have much confidence, like yeah, yeah, gosh, it's so important. Which I think um, yeah, 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 totally. So that leads me to my next question too. Um, and that, so we, like I mentioned before, we're starting uh, a series on mental health, um, in high school and middle school youth. And, um, so I would just love to know in your professional opinion, what do you believe would be the most important like things for us to touch on? Like I've obviously decided, you know, we're talking about what mental health is, um, kind of the church's history with mental health and the church's role and talk about anxiety, depression, um, but what is something you feel like should definitely not be left out of that conversation? What are the really important discussions to have? Um, so I think it's really important to normalize having difficulties with your mental health, to reduce stigma as much as possible, reduce shame. Absolutely. Um, people, I think, uh, first of all, there's just general stigma in society. Um, but also, I think in the church, unfortunately, we've been um, sort of guilty of of saying things like, well, you know, you should pray about it more or you should, um, which aren't like bad things to do, but also when you, when you have a mental health condition, it's very invalidating, right? Like, um, you know, people often feel like in addition to suffering from whatever they're suffering from anxiety or depression or other things, they, they feel the extra burden of like, 
this is my fault, or I wasn't a good enough Christian, or God is like punishing me, or, um, you know, or at the very least, they feel pressure to make some kind of meaning out of it. Like, you know, I've got to recover so that this can be my testimony story and et cetera. And, um, and I think that's like, that's just too much pressure for people, right? So I think it's really important to normalize that all kinds of people have these, um, these kinds of thoughts and these kinds of experiences. And it doesn't mean that you're bad. It doesn't mean that you're crazy. Um, you know, people sometimes worry, kids worry a lot that if I, you know, admit to like having thoughts around wanting to hurt myself, for example, that, you know, I'll immediately be brought to hospital and I'll be locked up and it's going to be like, you know, on the movies or, or whatever. Um, and it's not, um, it isn't. Um, and if they don't believe me, I just say like, it's very expensive to keep people in hospital and they don't want to spend the money if we could do it, you know? So if you, if you don't trust people's good intention, at least trust their like thriftiness. But, um, so I think that is important. I think it's important to help kids understand how they can support their peers. And at the same time, not take that on like this, that's an adult problem. Um, and there's, mm -hmm. there's a way in which you develop friendship. And then there's a point at which, um, like adults need to be involved to take care of this problem because it's too big for like a 13 mm -hmm. or a 14 year old to, to manage their friend's mental health. Um, oh, that's so good. Yeah. Yeah. I have, yeah, I have teenagers coming to me often who just drop like really heavy stuff that like they're going through or their friends are going through. Yeah. And you're so right. It's like, you can't handle that on your own and you shouldn't have mm -hmm. to either even even adults like that's an adult thing yeah. but especially like a teen thing right and i think yeah. um making it okay to not be okay like um yeah. you know even i think of like stories that we tell even in church as adults they always like and you know and then this happened and i was mm. okay and it's okay now and i think we right. really need to normalize the thing of like i am currently not okay mm -hmm. uh, this is how i am like currently right and and for us not to mm -hmm. feel at that but just to allow um allow this to be right allow al allow people to be not okay mm -hmm. um yeah and and to help help kids be able to find someone who's who can be open and non-judgmental with them right like different people will have different strengths not everyone is going to be able to sit with really difficult problems and that's okay but how do you find then the person that's that's right to help you with that problem mm. um I think that's that's what I would do first uh, I would also do um some stuff around development so helping people understand like how our brains react and why they react the way they that they do right like even understanding for example that avoiding something naturally leads to developing a fear then you can kind of make some sense out of your life and oh okay this isn't doesn't mean that I like have a, it just means that I did this action and now this happened um you know one of the things we know about youth is that kids sort of have they don't really have an awareness of other people's opinions about them like they do kind of but they don't like you know you think about the little boy with like rubber boots and shorts and and he's just like collecting frogs and little blah in his own and then all of a sudden something happens like 11 12 13 ish and like a switch clicks and all of a sudden there's an understanding that other people have thoughts about me mm. um and then there's they have a i can't remember the exact term but it's something like it's a spotlight phenomena or it's this feeling that everyone yeah. is looking at me all the time 
Totally. Um, I that. <laughs> yeah. And that's, and that's a, a thing that's really intense for youth brains. Right. And so helping them understand, like, this is actually a thing that your brain is doing. It's really good, but it's going to feel really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, here's some ways that you can manage it. Um, helping people understand why they respond to things that might be traumatic for them. And we use that word traumatic, but it doesn't have to mean like, you know, a car accident or being in a war or something. It's just really anything that was too much for you to handle at the time. Mm. Um, and so helping people understand, yeah, natural responses to that. And, and, and why so many of the things that we think of as quote crazy or um, really just make sense when you understand how the brain works and when you understand like our, our own developmental histories and um, yeah, those are the things mm. that that yeah, That's very helpful. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, t- talking beyond just teenagers, uh, Karen, uh, is there anything you'd suggest in terms of practical daily things that we can work into our routines that help keep us uh, mentally healthy? Yes, so much. Um, so the first one is keeping routine as much mm-hmm. as you can. Um, get up at the same time, uh, put on like regular clothes and um do like your daily routines, but also do like your monthly yearly routines. So as you know, as much as possible, keep doing your, keep doing the celebrations, decorate for Christmas, do um, all of that stuff is really helpful. Um, We know from research that exposure to nature is really soothing and good for the brain. Mm -hmm. So that could be getting out into the forest if you can, or it could just be like having a house plant. I have a tree just right outside my deck. And, and when I've been sick, I can lay on my couch and just look at my tree. And that tree is my friend. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it brings me a lot of like joy and peace. Mm-hmm. Um, connecting to others, particularly doing things to help others is really good for our brain. Um, if you don't have people to touch you, doing self-touch is not doesn't give you the same buzz, but it gives you like um, kind of similar. So maybe like, um, stroking your arm, um, you know, giving yourself a little neck or shoulder massage, like anything that, um, is touch, um, move your body. So what people might call exercise, but not, not for any goal, just to move around and enjoy yourself, Mm -hmm. um, eat things that are delicious and make your body feel good and are part of your celebration. Yeah. Um, like Pascha at Easter, or um, it's going to be strawberry season pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Cherries are going to come out. Uh, do your best to sleep well at night. And I, I hate saying this. I always feel like I need to wash my mouth out with soap after, but try not to nap. <laughs> Say as, as the woman who pretty much naps every weekend. Um, see see a counselor if you feel like um and i would say don't even wait till you feel like you need to if it comes into your mind that maybe you would like to talk to somebody about something like consider that a prompt of the holy Mm -hmm. spirit and and take some steps to follow through on that don't wait until you feel like it's you know a necessity Mm -hmm. um be kind to yourself i think it can help like really notice um your own what you're doing spiritually and and what is helping you to feel calm and if you need some suggestions it might help to focus on the metaphors in scripture that are gentle like Mm. um god is a gentle whisper god is a a hand who gathers um the chicks to to itself um you know maybe spend some time in the story of elijah where he was so stressed out that he wanted to die Mm. and god said here have a snack and a nap another snack and a nap 
Mm. And, and so maybe like spend some time just imagining what, you know, what God might want to offer you in this moment to um, help yourself be comforted and soothed. Um, and I think also monitor your own screen and social media time. And that's going to be different for every person, um, especially news. It was actually even before the pandemic. Um, I stopped watching news like in person. I only read it because um, when you watch it in person, first of all, they have to make concerned sounding voices. So they it sounds more intense because you're getting that like the feedback. Um, and the second thing is you can't choose. So if I'm only interested in coronavirus today and I do not have any like mental or emotional energy to hear about people who died in car accidents, mm -hmm. I can easily skip through that if mm -hmm. I'm doing it online. So that's, that's my solution. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, there's lots of good stuff online yeah. too. Um, if sleep is a problem for you, um, the term for the behaviors that help good sleep is sleep hygiene. Mm -hmm. Um, so you can Google sleep hygiene and they'll give you tons of suggestions for that. Now, when you say uh, you should wear normal clothes, you mean pajamas <laughs> and sweatshirts, right? Like that's well, that's Craig. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, whatever works for you. Uh, we we <laughs> we do know that um, the kind of clothing you're wearing affects like your posture. It affects your um, alertness and that kind of thing. So. Certainly nobody has to do any of those things. However, um, I actually stayed in my jeans for this interview instead oh, yeah. of changing into my sweats because I thought, you know what, I want to um, feel like have my on brain, my work brain. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a tip. It's a thing you can do. Yeah. Yeah. Help yourself uh, feel more uh, <laughs> I'll I'll admit that there has been some some days. We film on Wednesdays, so usually, you know, I've preached on Wednesday morning and I come home and I'm gonna work in the afternoon, but I'm just so exhausted. There have been some days I just put on my pajama pants and no nobody knows, of course, because on yeah. Zoom it's just your shirt, right? So yeah. but no, I try not to I try not to always work in my pajamas though, that's for sure. Um one thing I have found that I've needed to pay attention to is um is what I'm thinking and my, mm -hmm. my thought patterns. Mm -hmm. And uh, I read a book earlier this year called winning the war in your mind, which the basic idea is that your life moves in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And so it encourages you to just kind of think about what you're thinking. And what I noticed that I had, hadn't noticed before was that when I woke up in the morning, my, my first thought was almost always negative. Like, mm. I don't want to be up yet. I'm too tired. This day is going to be too hard. I, I don't have the strength or, you know, I don't have what I need for this meeting or that appointment or that. And I was, I, I realized like, why am I, why am I starting my day that way? Like that makes no sense to start that way. And so I've started trying to tell myself when I wake up and I have that first thought that God will give me the strength I need to do what I need to do today. Mm. And it's, it's totally changed how I wake up and, but I never would have thought about it if I hadn't been encouraged to think about what I was thinking about. And uh, so that's been something that's been helpful for me. Yeah. And it, it, um, you can also, um, for you or for other people, if, if you're having recurring negative thoughts, it might help to set some time aside and think about, is there, um, some truth in what these thoughts are trying mm. to tell me? Right. So, right. Um, if, if you notice, if a person notices that they're consistently feel overwhelmed by their day, um, it could be like refocusing. Um, and at the same time, it could also be looking at, are there, do I actually need to pare down my life right now? Mm, so a lot of right. people have felt this pressure to like 
do all the things, right? Like I became fit and learned German and learned how to bake five <laughs> different kinds of bread that involved. We're all angry and- at those people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if those people are those people. Uh, yeah. um, so it, it can also help to really like examine your life as it is now and know that for a lot of people, they, there's just not the capacity to do the things maybe that you used to be able to do. Mm-hmm. And so for right now, that might mean like reducing some expectations so maybe it's scrambled eggs and toast for dinner uh, a couple nights a week or something like that like um, so also giving yourself permission to adjust your expectations yeah cool Mm. wow honestly so many so many good things here like and i love just the really practical ways to help our mental health i think yeah it's so fantastic um we'd love to i think just end this conversation with just hearing about how your own faith has developed in the last year what have been maybe some challenges and some unexpected blessings just yeah how have you been kind of receiving from the holy spirit in this last year sure i always find these hard because i think it's it's hard to know while you're in it it's just later where you're like oh this thing or that thing um i think one thing that i have noticed is um just with um like with the pandemic and then also my own illness just being a lot more present Um, So I used to a lot to like manage boredom or stress or whatever. I would be planning my next trip or planning like a, you know, a getaway or what fun thing am I going to do? And, um, and that stopped completely because, you know, even if I won like millions of dollars, I couldn't go do like the kind of trips that I'd do. Right. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's closed. Um, And so, yeah, I really, I, I realized that there was part of that that was fun, but part of that was like a coping, a way of coping with maybe stuff I didn't want to think about or just general unpleasant feelings. Um, and same with shopping a bit. I mean, I did the little pandemic shopping at the beginning, like I think everybody. Um, but even now that, that malls are open, like I don't have a big desire to go out and, and buy stuff. And I, I think I did use that as coping before as well. Um, so that's something that's pretty cool. And I, I feel like I'm just more contented. Like I think I was always looking for like, is this the maximum fun way to spend my time? Or are these like the maximum fun people or, you know, and I just became much more contented with just my life as it is. And mm. excuse me. And, and yeah, the beauty of, of creation as it is. And I remember I went to, I went to pick up some takeout before the restaurants reopened. And I was like, our medians are so beautiful. We have such beautiful medians. You know, I never looked at them before because I didn't have to, but um, I think a challenge has been um, as I've watched the response of people, like particularly in North America um, and particularly you know, other Christians, there's, there's some things to me that seem so clear, um, based on the teachings of Jesus about Mm. how I feel like we should be responding, um, as a society, like in terms of, um, you know, providing financial support for people who haven't been able to work or, um, um, you know, different things like that, wearing, wearing masks, um, for example. And, um, to me, things that to me seem so clearly in line with, um, Jesus teachings about our care for each other. Um, and then I, I see many people who 
are very active Christians, and especially in the States, it's always easier to see the extreme stuff in the States, mm-hmm. but it's here too. Um, acting, coming to conclusions that are so dramatically different mm-hmm. um, from mm-hmm. what to me seems like love of neighbor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know what sense to make of that. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a that is a current challenge. That's an ongoing challenge. Yeah. With you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's well said. And that could apply to all kinds of different theological issues, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, of yeah. course it's like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just seems so clear to me. How yeah. are we like how are we thinking differently on this? Yeah. And, yeah. yeah, well said. Any other thoughts you want to leave us with, Karen? Uh, I think the main thing is is just be kind and gentle to yourself and to each other. And um, yeah, I think if, I don't know, Craig, if, if people have listened to this and they do need some um, mental health support or help, like, is there other people that, that they can contact? Yeah, totally. At the church? Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah, they can contact myself uh, or Holly or, or Bobby for that matter. Uh, our our um, care fund provides for uh, some some financial help for counseling if that's what people need. And uh, Karen, I appreciated your your call to counseling if that's what people need. Both Holly and I have taken advantage of that multiple times in the last year, and uh, we will again um, because I currently do. Yep. Yeah, yeah. it's just it's so helpful. Um, so yes. don't don't wait until you're uh, don't wait until you're you know, desperate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, be proactive about it rather than reactive. So, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Please contact uh, any one of us and we'll, we'll make that uh, connection uh, for you. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we're going to have to do a part three at some point, Karen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we, okay, I'm going to put this on record and I'm probably going to look stupid when we do part two, but this better be over by the time <laughs> yes. part three comes around. Yes. I'm just going to say that. There better not be a third thing that we're all doing, like, yeah. like some kind of PPE or I don't know. No, we are speaking that into existence right now. We've done this <laughs> right. time next year. Oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you so much, Karen. Honestly, oh, you're welcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this has a been a fantastic fun. conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah, and thank you so much to our listeners. Um, and thank you to our editor, Caleb Rosborough. Always appreciate you putting these together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you'll uh, have another podcast uh, coming up from us in the next couple of weeks or so. So yeah, wherever you're at, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. And uh, yeah, that, I think that's it. We're going to sign out. Ross Road Connect podcast is produced by Ross Road Community Church in Abbotsford, B.C., For more information about our church community and links to more podcasts and sermons, visit rossroadcc.ca.